The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Tonight on the program, after 10.15, Dr. Clifford Albert will join us. It is our Beauty and Aesthetics Night. Uh, He'll give us some of the latest research and techniques for penis enlargement, if there is such a thing. We'll talk about uh, vaginal rejuvenation. We know there is such a thing. Uh, And and answer lots of people's questions. So any questions that you have in terms of uh, cosmetic uh, surgeries, uh, cosmetic procedures, he will be able to answer that uh, for you. That's coming up after 1015. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your calls and texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion now at 514-790-0800 or 514-800. And you can also email me your questions to lori at drlori.com. Just be patient. I answer the questions before um, you know the first uh, segment of every show. Uh, so if you don't get your question answered, make sure to tune in the following day and it will go back up to the top of the list. So I think I have some catching up to do since I was away and uh, yesterday was uh, a replay. So I'm going to answer some of the questions that are on my text board right now at 5 800, which you can send them in. Uh, sometimes after I reach orgasm, my body is shaking and I need to try to warm myself and still feeling cold. Is there a problem if this happens uh, too often? Um, I don't think, I have not really heard about this, although I'm. it has probably something to do with uh, blood pressure, but we can ask Dr. Clifford Albert, who's also a, uh, a GP, we can ask him about that and what, what actually happens after orgasm and if that would have any impact. Although I cannot see that this is something that is harmful uh, to you. I suppose staying warm, cuddling is a, a good uh, option. Getting the body warmth um, from, from your partner would be a good thing. So let me save that one and get a more detailed uh, answer for you as to what may be happening uh, when Dr. Clifford Albert joins us after uh, 10.15. Uh, does uh, using Vaseline oil, uh, does that help for women? Um you, I, I'm not sure what you would use Vaseline oil or Vaseline uh, for. Um, as a lubricant, not uh, necessarily uh, recommended. There are lubricants out on the market that are uh, silicone-based rather than uh, oil-based because uh, it could interfere with um, the pH balance in the vagina. And a lot of the stuff that's made specifically for intercourse, for example, or hormonally-based things have been uh, tested scientifically and we know, and they have been approved for that kind of use. So I would generally go for that. For external, though, if you have like uh, skin, uh, your your labia, for example, that may feel uh, raw or something's going on there, or itchy or what have you, then an Aquaphor type of, which is a kind of a Vaseline, I guess, uh, could be soothing and and helpful. So I'm not sure what 
in terms of what kind of help you need. If it's for a dry vagina, the inside, then that's not what I would recommend. I would uh, say you go see your doctor first. And uh, if you are um, menopausal, for example, they may recommend uh, internal um, capsules of estrogen. So uh, it's an estrogen-based a cream that you put inside the vagina uh, and you do this for a while and then you, um, you do it less frequently over time. But this kind of restores uh, some of the estrogen and the elasticity in the vagina and kind of uh, heals it basically. I just need to know how accurate an HIV test after 21 days at a hospital. So you, when it comes to HIV testing, you have to do it, uh, you can do it soon after ex- possible exposure, but you have to repeat it three months later because there's a dormant period. There can be a dormant period. So I, I believe it's three months and then maybe six months after that, but definitely the, the, the three month mark. So, after 21 days, even if it comes back um, negative, it would still need to be repeated uh, three months uh, later. Uh, my girlfriend is thinking about getting breast enlargement, and I think it's pretty cool, but it got me thinking, how come there's so much technology and emphasis put on breast enlargement, and for men, there's nothing for the soldier down there? Don't they know they can make a killing if somebody actually invented something for men also? Uh, well, we'll find out what there is out there for men these days, although I'm sure we've, you've all been, you've all heard about the, the billionaire who went for penis enlargement surgery and died on the table uh, or wherever he died, but as a result of that surgery. So, uh, you know, there are risks to uh, all kinds of surgeries, but we can we can talk about that uh, with Dr. Clifford Albert coming up because he spent some time in Paris recently and in different parts of Europe where uh, some of, there are other places in the world that have more advanced techniques in terms of surgical things to uh, for genitals. So we'll, we'll have a look at that in more detail coming up. Uh, another texter writes, I don't understand why women want anal sex. The body parts were meant for penis and vagina sex. Why would someone take the chance to tear and damage the anus? So there's no, you don't have to tear and damage the anus with anal sex if you do it uh, properly. You're also leaving out a whole group of other people, uh, which are uh, gay men, for example, that may may or may not practice anal sex. It's a, it's a question of uh, individual individual choice. But there are nerve endings in that area that can be very, very pleasurable for the receiver uh, and also for the, uh, the the giver or the, the person who enters. Uh, so if it's done carefully and with proper lubrication and slowly, and then there is much less risk of tear uh, and damage. So it's a question of um, doing it properly if this is what you're going to uh, engage in. And the reality is for some people, it's quite pleasurable. For others, it's painful and it's not, it's not an option for them. Uh, but for some, it is something that they, uh, they enjoy. Another uh, texture writes, do women use dildos to make them orgasm? Uh, dildos, vibrators, uh, sex toys, all those sex toys are for pleasure and to enhance uh, female pleasure. So when we're talking about uh, dildos, you're talking about uh, penis-shaped 
toys that are internal toys, but you can also have vibrating dildos, which can vibrate on the inside, but you can also be used on the clitoral area for women. Remember that 75% of women orgasm through clitoral uh, stimulation, not through uh, penetration alone. So many of the toys out there for women are vibrators so that they um, they create a sensation, uh, an, an intent, more intense sensation than the tongue, the tongue or, a, or a hand uh, could provide. And so um, often leading women to be able to have orgasms, whereas in, in maybe in other instances it's more uh, difficult. Another question, is it advisable to use baby oil for intercourse? No, baby oil has a lot of scents, like, uh, you know, scent chemicals in there uh, would not be good for the vagina. It's also, it also wouldn't, uh, you couldn't use a condom uh, with that either. So there's that problem. Uh, oil based, anything that's oil based will break down a condom. So you can't use that. Uh, and it can cause for some women quite a bit of irritation. So you have to be careful with anything that you put inside a vagina because A, it can be irritating. B, it can cause infection because it messes with the pH uh, balance in the vagina. So I hope that uh, that all makes sense to you. Uh, coming up, we have got Dr. Clifford Albert, who will be in studio with us, and you can ask him all kinds of questions about beauty and aesthetics and cosmetic procedures. Your after- relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now, 514-790-0800. Passion, News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Tonight, we pick the brain of Dr. Clifford Albert, who is a family physician and the medical director of the Canadian Institute for Laser Surgery. He specializes in surgical cosmetic procedures, so we're not talking plastic surgery, but all kinds of stuff that can be done in an office in in one day, and you go home, basically. Easy stuff. Easy, the easy stuff, <laughs> yeah. Okay. My brain easy is ready to be you. picked. That's right. I'm picking your brain. But for, there's a couple of questions that came up on the text that sure. I'm so glad you're here, even as a family physician, that I think you can answer. So I don't know if you heard um, before, but there's a, a, a gentleman... Uh, actually, I don't know if it's a gentleman, says, after I reach orgasm, my body is shaking and I need to try to warm myself and I, and still feeling cold. Is that a problem? So well, what, first, what could it be due to? Well, the first thing to figure out is, is this new or is it something that's been going on all his life? It's, it's or all his life, li- yeah. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. I, actually, I, I'm I not sure, actually. I was interpreting I know, it as a man. I, and then I was saying, uh, me yeah. too, I did so that. So definitely what's happening is that there's a, a, a parasympathetic discharge. And, when there's a, and this is, you have two systems in your body. And basically what's happening is, you can get hypotensive. So when you're getting an orgasm, there's a lot of release of things that are going on. And to get that release, there's a lot of hormones being distributed. Those hormones can actually drop your blood pressure and cause your blood vessels to dilate. Okay. So you can feel cold because all your blood vessels are dilating at the same time. And depending on the uh, intensity of the orgasm, for a man or for a woman, um, you can get that feeling of coldness, of cold. sometimes okay. tingling in the fingers. You may even lose consciousness in some people. Whoa. That's happened. Uh, which is so also, isn't it also why you can uh, cure a headache with an orgasm because of that? <laughs> you can get a headache too. Rob. You can get a headache, but you can also <laughs> cure a headache. Usually, yeah, one of the things that happens in migraines, and we know this, that if you, when a vessel dilates and contracts, you can get a migraine headache. So some of the medications we give will constrict those arteries mm-hmm. to get to release that headache uh, sensation. Right. So, you know, it, it's I, my first question would be, has this always happened like this? Or is it just more intense now? Or is it the person you're with? 
Too. Well, so that right. could, that could be part of it as well. So, or you would also ask. So if they're having a very any, good time. Yeah. Or you would also ask if they're having an, if they're on any yeah. medication. Any medications could definitely. Yeah, medications definitely can can uh, affect this. So if they're taking uh, antihypertensives, that could, and if they mix that with something, let's say Viagra or Cialis mm-hmm. or Levitra, that can also cause that sensation. So you definitely want to take a good medication history, and you want to take a good history of of when the symptoms started and what's okay. what it's associated with. If it's only associated with orgasm, and as I said, it's new. Well, then I'd look for new things in the environment that could be causing right. that. Right. Otherwise, we just chalk it up to that hype, that system in the brain yeah. that is parasympathetic uh, discharge, which is causing low blood low pressure, blood which pressure, can cause that. Yeah. Which which can cause you to be cold. Great explanation. Interesting, interesting symptom, though. I love. Yeah, that. it's a great question, <laughs> yeah. though. It's great. Uh, here's another one for you. Are there any antibiotics that can be inserted vaginally as suppositories for UTIs? Do uh, you know of okay. any? For UTIs, it's still best to treat with oral medications. Okay. Uh, many, I, I could tell you, a lot of people get overdiagnosed with UTIs. Uh, you can try simple remedies, first of all, and the simple remedies are t- drinking like cranberry juice, drinking lots of water. The solution to pollution is dilution. Now, <laughs> if the symptoms, <laughs> like so, so the typical person who comes in with urinary tract infection is having frequency, urgency, and pain. may or may not have a discharge. You want to make sure there's no STDs as mm-hmm. well. So I always say if you're sleeping with somebody new, remember you're sleeping with their entire sexual history. So it's important to get a proper history. Is there currently a, a an, an antibiotic that can be inserted? No. That will do the job properly? No. You really want to treat systemically because the real danger of, of a urinary tract infection is it tracking up to the kidney. So it can go up the urethra in, into the bladder and go from the bladder, go mm-hmm. upwards to the ureters, to the kidneys, and that's where you can get pyelonephritis, which is really can be very dangerous. That's a kidney infection, Kidney right? infection, kidney exactly, infection. Exactly. And untreated UTIs can cause that. Exactly. So we don't let UTIs fester. If, if you're really having symptoms more than 48 hours, see a doctor because you don't want to you don't want to get an infection right. that can go systemic. And, and this is a right. major source of systemic infections as well. What do you do for a person, which I've heard, who is a, after they have sex, they develop UTIs, like right. frequent UTIs after sex? Very common. It's what we call honeymoon cystitis. And oh, honey, honeymoon cystitis. It has a name. It has a name, honeymoon cystitis. Very common because as opposed to men, men have a very long urethra. So it's very hard for a man to get an infection into the bladder. So when a man gets a bladder infection, he'll usually end up with cystoscopy to go see why he's getting a urinary tract infection because it's not common. Uh, if you're having anal sex, that is more common for it can be more common for a man to get a, a, a prostate infection or bladder infection from, the, from that route. Okay. In a woman, the urethra is much shorter, so I always tell every woman that I see in the, in the office who's at risk for this type of problem, always wipe front to back mm-hmm. because you don't want to get any spread of bacteria of from course. the back to the front. And the same thing, you want to avoid any contact from anal to right. We to teach the little area. girls how to wipe yeah. that way, right? Because yeah. it's a shorter urethra, more risk for urinary tract infections. Okay. And and so So the other so thing is pee sex... right after relations. Okay. That's one thing. So you'll flush what's out there. Okay. So again, dilute. The solution to pollution is dilution. So I love that. Flush it out. <laughs> I have to <laughs> flush write it that out, down. Drink lots of water. Okay. Drink lots of water and, and that will clear out whatever's in there and pee okay. right away and you'll flush out a lot of bacteria. Okay. Uh, makes, if uh, somebody makes gets sense. frequent infections, we will sometimes put them on antibiotics long term, but that increases resistance levels. So okay. bacteria then become resistant, then the antibiotics that we want to work when we need don't them work. don't work. So I always say use it when you need it. So if you can get symptoms to disappear in the first day or so with just simple techniques, great. You don't have to do anything. Right. The problem with uh, UTIs, they often pick up speed. Like they get worse and worse, right? They don't. Uh, they don't just dissipate. You hope they do, but they don't. We we actually used to give a very common anesthetic that would called Peridian, which which would uh, 
caused the urine to become orange. Oh, wow. <laughs> but okay. it would anesthetize the bladder so people okay. wouldn't have as many symptoms. Oh, okay. Interesting. All right. The most important question, and I get this all the time, Dr. Albert, is um, what can they do for penis enlargement? <laughs> like you've been traveling around yes. Europe. Yeah, it was actually, I, w I just came back from a, a great conference in Paris called the International Master Course on Aging Skin, MCAS. Uh, on aging science, actually. It's one of the premier conferences in the world, 11,000 physicians. We had a whole day devoted just to genital rejuvenation, wow. okay. genital treatments, cadaver days. I mean, it was, it was, it was really well, that wild. That sounds really uh, yummy. We so we were, well, we were like, you got to imagine like these big video screens and they have live uh, injections into cadavers. So we're seeing what's actually right, happening right. when we do injections. Right. And we were seeing live injections at the same time into patients. So you can actually see the anatomy, see exactly what we're treating, seeing why you want to inject in a certain plane versus another plane. So penis enlargement. There's There are so many... I, I, get, a, I get this question all the yeah, time. Yeah, I'm sure. First of all, there, you have non-surgical treatments, you have surgical treatments. In the non-surgical treatments, you've got to realize that most of an erection is blood. Right. So anything that you can do to increase blood flow to the penis will increase the size of your erection. Right. There are very few people who actually have a condition known as micropenis. Right. The great majority do not. It's really less than 1%. Mm -hmm. Most people are in the range of about uh, um, 5 centimeters to anywhere up to 10 to 12 centimeters. Yeah, so centimeters, is, not inches, yeah, folks. Not inches, right. centimeters. We're talking centimeters. So that's the great majority of people. And I have I can tell you I've seen every... <laughs> Ethnic group, um, yeah. th there's in in certain groups. Yes, there is a you know when we look at the Asian populations versus the Caucasian populations and 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 the black populations, there is a difference. The Asian population, as a, on a mean, you know, if you look at the average, they are a little but bit. But you also look at stature. Than, like you have to look exactly, at stature. You exactly. have to look at so many other factors. And just because right? you have big hands doesn't mean you're going to have a big penis yeah, either, exactly, <laughs> or big exactly. feet. It doesn't go together. So what's and the research showing? So. We still have, as I said, we have non-surgical treatments and we have surgical treatments. The surgical treatments, just to go to the extreme, uh, can result in problems. Now, the case that you were describing yeah. actually was what not due to the surgery. Oh, what happened to It was him? actually an allergic reaction to one to? of the medications that was given, to one of the anesthetics. Really? And, Except you and, never know when yeah, you're going was, under the knife. It was actually an allergic reaction, and so he didn't die as a result of the <laughs> procedure. Okay. Now, most, Oops, of the, most of the procedures to, um, it's not really an unfortunate case because the guy was a billionaire, you know, so it wasn't about money. And, no. And he, actually, you know, I, I, I probably know the clinic where he was operating because I go to Paris every uh -huh. year for this major conference. So I very likely know one of the surgeons who was involved in this. I can't tell you specifically, but uh, it, it, it's an unfortunate incident. But what, what we try to do in penile surgery is you actually have to reposition and lower where the penis attaches on the pelvis. Now, very rarely is this done. And it's really done in cases of real micropenis, okay. where you're trying to get where every centimeter is important. Right. Um, and it's not the size of the ship. I always tell them yeah, it's yeah. the motion, motion of the of ocean. The motion yeah. of the ocean. <laughs> yeah, now, but guys still increase, ask that question. Again, if you can increase blood flow, you're going to increase size. Now, medications like Cialis, Viagra, Levitra do increase blood flow to the penis, mm -hmm. increasing, first of all, the strength of the erection the uh, um, the tension around the erection, so the actual uh, physical blood flow mm -hmm. there has increased, 
And but it won't change again the size, the length of the penis. Right. You'll get an increase in size. You'll just in maximize your, what you exactly got. what right. you can do, and you're increasing also the chance of getting a second erection. So when you get a first erection, your second erection will be easier to get. Right. If you're on one of those medications. Right. So I always try to, if people are having a problem with getting erections and maintaining erections, I will use those medications and right. I prescribe them to people right. regularly. Now, when we look at non-surgical options for treat for penile enlargement, you can use fillers, and fillers. Um, come in, you have different types of fillers based on hyaluronic acid or on uh, or calcium-based fillers. None of the fillers we use are permanent fillers because they can cause actual scarring and lead to a condition called Peyronie's disease, mm -hmm. which is where you can get actual curving of the penis. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to do with all these fillers is increase girth. We can't increase length. You uh, cannot, a, increase cannot increase length. length. Okay, I want to make sure that's it. You can increase it, girth, and you can cause some fibrosis, which will make the penis a little bit stiffer especially in the flaccid penis. Mm -hmm. But you will see that when the penis gets rigid at, during an erection, you'll then get a stiffer erection. Okay. Uh, coming up, we'll continue to talk about uh, stiffer erections stiffer. or longer <laughs> erections or longer penises, if possible, and all the different uh, surgical procedures out there. We'll also talk about implant, breast implant-induced cancer, uh, which is a little scary. So we'll, uh, we'll address all those issues with Dr. Clifford Albert after we check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure to the pain and everything in between. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Dr. Clifford Albert joins us tonight. He is a family physician and the medical director of the Canadian Institute for Laser Surgery. He specializes in surgical cosmetic procedures, so we're not talking uh, plastic surgery here tonight. And he's got uh, we've got lots of questions for Dr. Albert, but I want to go back and recap. And by the way, if you have questions, 514-800 to text in. You can call in at 514-790-0800. We get so wrapped up in the discussions, I always forget. Anything on the skin. Out. Anything on the skin, I can answer. Exactly. Yeah. But I want to go back yeah. to sure. the penis stuff because yeah. we get these questions all the time. So you made it very clear. You cannot, there are no procedures to increase length unless you no, have. you can increase length. However, is it worth doing and taking the risk in somebody with a relatively normal sized right. penis? To, you got to realize whenever you try to move something around, you can cause scarring, you can cause dysfunction. So, Where do they move it? Yeah. Could you describe you lower to it me? about a centimeter on it. It's attached by ligaments, basically right. the pelvic superior pelvic ligament and an inferior pelvic ligament. And you move these ligaments around on the pelvis. You can lower them and increase the length about a centimeter and a half. Okay. Max. That, see, a centimeter and a half, and a half max. It can make a difference in somebody who has a micro penis, right? But, but in somebody with a normal size penis, won't make a great right. difference. So, and I, what I heard is that if you have anything. Uh, over three inches, like there's no body, you wouldn't do that. No, it would be something and, and you, you got to realize bother. also that the nerve, the dorsal nerve of the penis, runs right in that area. Okay. So if you're moving things around too much, you could take the risk of not being able to get an erection right. or lose sensation. Right. Not worth the risk for that. I don't think so. That no. uh, centimeter and a half. And most urologists would agree would with that. Would not, not do it. it. Right. And they probably wouldn't do it. Yeah, so that's correct. the reality. However, you did say you there are procedures to increase 
Girth. Girth. Yes. Okay. So the techniques you talk about are well, fillers. Yes, we can use filler substances, and those can be based on hyaluronic acid, which is a natural product of the body right. that we've just manufactured, and it will cause a filling effect by hydration, so it attracts water. And we use this in other areas of the body, and we get very good results. So we use it in lips, we use it in faces, we use it right. in clitoral augmentation, we use it in G spot augmentation. Okay. So we can use this in different areas of the body to increase uh, volume of something. There are also products based on calcium, so calcium crystals, which are essentially uh, recreating what the body already does with bone. So when we use bone grafts, we use this as a filler in the face, and we can also use it in the penis to stimulate tissue. Mm-hmm. And it disappears usually about one to two years later. Okay. Really very few risks. It's an injection. Any injection can get an infection. Right. I've never seen an infection uh, with any of these products in, in many, many years of using them. So they're very safe products. Uh, they, the patients respond well to them. They don't need any anesthetic. They often have local anesthetic in them already to, uh, to numb right. as they're going in. So we can augment, but you can't lengthen uh, really to any significant degree with them. All right. So it's a, but there it's are other ways, like I said, other ways to lengthen are also to take medications that can increase right, but that's your, just your volume. blood flow to the right. penis. Right. But that's, the, that's what causes an erection. It's amazing what blood, just blood flow can do. Yeah, and it's mostly, yeah, mostly blood. blood flow, We're talking yeah. about mostly so, blood flow. Now, and, other lengthening procedures you can do that we, we didn't discuss. There is actually a, a type of stretching procedure that has been used. And if you actually go on, mm-hmm. we have on the sexual wellness site where I've mm-hmm. written some articles. Um, we You can actually, and this has been shown to work, where you can actually use a, a device that will stretch the flaccid penis during the day. So it actually stretches it down on a leg. It has a weighted aspect to it. And you can actually gain about a centimeter to a centimeter and a half. But you have this to do over this. Over a year period. A so year, a year of wearing weights year on your wearing, penis. Yes. But it has been shown to work. So for, if somebody's been suffering from this from a long, uh, over a long period of time, that has, has actually been shown to work. And it has a, a, a justifiable reason for doing it. Okay. So, and it's simple. Again, so I think it's still a simple reason. We're still talking centimeters. Result. And absolutely. we're still talking centimeters. Yes. And we're still talking yeah. a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a lot to yes. do. That's a lot to do. I have a question for you here. I was talked into a procedure called varicocele. A word of caution. It seriously changes performance. It was for cosmetic reasons due to large veins on the exterior. It's not just for cosmetic reasons. It can also affect fertility. So if somebody has one of the reasons uh, that the testicles are situated where they are is to decrease the temperature around a testicle because we know that excess heat will affect sperm motility Mm -hmm. and viability. So that's why they're designed to be outside the body. The human body evolution has designed them that way. Now, when there's a varicocele in place, that's a dilation of the vessels that are in the scrotum. And that dilation can actually heat up, causes excess heat. Heating up the testicles can lower sperm count. So if Mm -hmm. somebody is having a low sperm count, one of the things that we do is correct a varicocele. So when somebody, if it was done purely for cosmetic reasons, you know, I I don't know if it was worth doing uh, because you'd really have to pinch it to feel that that happening. Mm -hmm. It does feel like a bag of worms um, (laughs) and can increase the size of the scrotum significantly. But usually most people it isn't. Usually it's a very minor problem that you would only feel if you're really squeezing the top part of the testicle. Okay. Uh, And that's only in the testicle. A varicocele is only in the testicle or can it be in the penis? Because it almost sounds like... It's above the testicle. It's above the testicle. So it's not not in the penis. It's it's below the penis in the scrotum. So the varicoceles will look like a kind of like a bag of worms. That's really what it looks like. It can be more severe in certain people. Uh, most people though, it's very minor and you'll really have to feel for it to, to notice okay. it. Now, could that, could the procedure to affect the varicocele to 
reduce the varicocele affect performance? Usually doesn't, um, unless where they made the skin incision, decreased the skin sensation in that area. It's possible, but uh, it's it's usually done through a, an inferior approach, uh, not from the dorsal part of the penis, which is where the sensation is uh, for orgasm, mm -hmm. uh, just like on the clitoral head, where the clitoral right, head is. The it's, it's a, mm -hmm. So it's on the backside. So it's usually not the area that would affect sensation. Now, if it's, it's always possible a cutaneous nerve was cut, which would affect sensation. Right. Oh, complicated stuff, uh, Dr. Clifford. Interesting Albert questions. Is here. I haven't yeah. had these questions in ten, in ten years of coming. I haven't had these. Yeah, questions I know before. these are uh, so uh, really great questions. quite interesting. Actually, uh, just to go back on the UTIs, somebody yeah. asked if the issue has been significantly long-standing, accompanied by kidney pain. Is there anything that can be done at that point? But how does something stay significantly long-standing? Yeah, if it was if there's kidney pain, I want to make sure that there's no stones or some other condition right. that's uh, giving the kidney pain. A urinary tract infection that goes to the kidney will usually be associated with fever and really a sick and pain, patient. And right. really sick patient. Right. So you'll get, like if you punch the back, it you'll be jumping and you'll be really, really sick. So right. uh, an infection of the kidney is not a benign condition. It really needs to be treated. Uh, I don't think that's what's going on from what you're describing because it wouldn't right. be chronic. Anyway, you when you go to the doctor, I would imagine they do an ultrasound of some sort. Well, not in the office. If we, not in if the we office, have, if we have it available, yeah, but we'd ask right. for it, yeah. Okay. If somebody's having significant kidney pain that continues, you want to make sure there's no stones. So there's been a lot of uh, talk about breast implants and women wanting to remove breast implants, uh, dangers associated now. Are there new, there's, is there new research about breast implants and their well, dangers? I know there was a time when it was a silicone thing and they changed them to something else. And what's the deal? Definitely. There, there have been a lot of changes in breast implants over the last 20 years. We originally started with saline implants, and then we went to silicone implants, and then silicone cohesive gel implants that stuck together. Mm -hmm. And so there's been a progressive improvement in implants. The safest implant is still saline implants. Why? Because if it bursts, and we know, first of all, that about 8% of breast implants will burst at five years. Okay. So you are putting an implant, and even more in certain with certain types of implants, but we know that these are going to burst. They do not last forever. They do need to be replaced. Okay. Um, and those are the the saline one is basically saline is water. Saline. It's, so, it's, it's salt solution. Salt so, solution is the most homeo. So if it ever bursts, the stuff that's in it disappears, and you know it has burst. Okay. Coming up, yeah. we'll ask, uh, we'll talk about... Uh, the the bigger problems which are related more to breast implants causing cancer or being uh, related to that which is frankly quite scary for I'm sure a lot of uh, women who have had breast implants so that's something I want to ask Dr. Clifford Albert about and if there's anything else you want to ask 514-800 is the uh, text line for you to ask those questions it's sex out loud and you're welcome to listen in Passion on CJAD 800. Tonight, Dr. Clifford Albert joins us. He's a family physician. He's also the medical director of the Canadian Institute for Laser Surgery. He does specialize in surgical uh, cosmetic procedures, but we're not talking plastic surgery. We're talking about in-office things. We've been talking about breast implants. I know you don't do breast implants. You do no. other things for breasts, yes. but I want to talk about... Um, the dangers, because we were talking about all the different types of breast implants, and we're hearing a lot about it in the news, and I think it's very confusing for uh, I've people. actually trained with some of the best breast surgeons in the world. I mean, Jackie Govril in Israel, right. uh, Constantine Stan in, in Romania, uh, Guillermo Blugerman in Argentina. So I've seen a lot of breast implantation mm -hmm. around the world. 
uh, and uh, some amazing surgeons here in Montreal who, who I've right. trained with as well. So, I mean, I, I've, I really have a good knowledge of the types of implants that are out there. There are non other other ways of going about it if you want to augment a breast and do surgery. Right. Now, there we're seeing more and more problems with breast implants because we know they can rupture. Uh, it used to be much more of a problem when the, it was a non-cohesive gel silicone implant where you would get leakage right. of silicone anywhere in the body. Um, and, and you would see this even very far from where the implant was. We could get these siliconomas tra being transferred elsewhere. Uh, it's gotten to become a better problem, a better problem. And I say it's a problem because we know the breast implants will still rupture. But now that it's a cohesive gel, you may not see the rupture. And even if you, you often have to do an ultrasound or an MRI oh, wow. to see if there's a rupture because you won't necessarily see because the gel is sticking together, which is good that it's not leaking all over the place. Right. But the real problem that we're seeing now is the FDA issued an advisory uh, last year, actually, about what we call breast-associated induced lymphomas. Whoa. And so there is a biofilm that forms around these implants. So all these implants have a film, a capsule that forms, mm -hmm. and associated with that capsule can be what we call a biofilm, where these, these new types of tissues that are interacting with the surface of the implants. Okay. And what we've seen is that there's been an increased rate of breast-associated lymphoid tumors, so lymphomas. So lymphoma is a type of blood cancer. So this is a whole new issue, whole new ball wow, game that's now. That's pretty scary. That it's, it's not excessively common, thank God. It's right. not worth nothing but there is a, a risk of developing this type of problem. Now, what are the so now that we know that there may be a problem and there's advisory about it, people have to talk about it because I think people have to be notified. And it's something Absolutely. I get so many patients who come to me and they just have no idea about this. Right. And if you go on my Instagram page, it's posted there, and I, I've I posted up the advisories for people to see this, just so they they can get thinking about other ways of doing this. And are, are there other ways of augmenting a breast? Many people need breast augmentation or breast reconstruction for if they've had cancer before mm -hmm. or if they really have you know, a difference from one breast to another. And one of the ways that we've dealt with this problem in those patients is to take stem cells and fat cells from one area of the body and move it to the breast. And we know that this is, I mean, this is done now around the world. And actually, I think one of the slowest places to adopt this has been in Quebec. Really? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just the College of Medicine for many years here and uh, has, has felt that there was a risk that a, a radiologist would have trouble at identifying a focus of breast cancer. Uh, and, you know, uh, breast cancer, if, if there was calcifications in a breast due to injecting fat in there. Mm -hmm. um, that's not to say you can't have any uh, difficulty at identifying a breast cancer where there's a breast implant as well, because you will get calcifications as right, well. Right. So you got to realize that no matter what you do, you can get some calcifications. Well, that's been shown in study after study to not be an issue. A, a good radiologist can still pick up breast cancer if there's a breast implant in place uh, and if there is fat transferred to the breast. Okay. But it's not actually the fat that we're interested in transferring. So we do this for buttocks now. We transfer fat and stem cells. And what is this is serving as the, the fat is serving as a scaffold. So when I take fat, let's say, out of the belly, I can transfer that to the buttocks, you know, what we call the Brazilian butt lift. Mm -hmm. You can transfer it to the breast. You can transfer it to the face. And if you do it in the right way, you're going to, we spin it down. We then will take out the stem cells and we're trying to separate as many of these cells that we can, that will stimulate tissue and inject those, really the, the stem cells with some fatty tissue to augment a breast or augment a butt. Hmm. And essentially 50% of that material will disappear. But what you're trying to get is a blood supply developed so that we can augment the tissue wherever we're injecting it. Okay. And so what we can see is we can usually augment uh, breast tissue or buttock tissue a significant proportion. 
uh, by doing this. And it's safe. Uh, we rarely see, I mean, there's always, whenever you do any injection, there's always a risk of infection, mm-hmm. of bruising, of bleeding. But in general, it's well tolerated and it's your own tissue, which is good. So it's autologous right. tissue. Uh, studies have shown that it will not influence uh, the ability to uh, identify a breast cancer. Uh, we don't see the same type of problems like the scars. Like you don't see scars. Oh, well, it's all small little holes. holes so right. we're just going through needle sticks to inject right. this. Uh, and at the same time, you get a laser lipo of your abdomen. So we like I do laser lipo. At, <laughs> I do laser lipo to reduce. Right. So we give like the hourglass shape at the same time. So I'm reducing in one area, and I'm just and taking your own tissue and putting it somewhere else. And talk and about recycling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's what's great about it. <laughs> so laser lipo, you know, I'm using the laser to liquefy fat with local anesthesia. So we get these really nice flat bellies, and we can get you as close to a six pack as possible. You know, through little <laughs> tiny holes, right. and nobody has to go to sleep for anything. That's what's right. great about it. So right. my my only point in bringing this up is there are other options, um, and uh, you, you know, it's it's it's. I think we have to think of outside the box sometimes. Yeah. And not everybody needs or wants a breast implant that can cause problems. Right. So can I just ask you how yeah. somebody would f- know that they had that? breast implant induced lymphoma well okay lymphoma is is a blood disease so it will affect uh your blood counts so you the typical patient who gets a lymphoma fatigue weight loss sweating these are the types of symptoms okay. really constitutional symptoms we're looking at and then you need blood tests and you got to identify where it's coming from okay but at least now we know that there is something in there that could be the cause of this so. all right i'm i have a question here on yeah. the text board although i'm not sure you can answer that sure. and we can see um i just need to know if women like circumcised or uncircumcised penises <laughs> you know that is a question of taste it, that I, I absolutely I, think it is i, I, think I, I don't uh, and and also we should point out that an erect penis is circumcised or uncircumcised more or less look the same Yes. They don't look that different. It's it's a little. It's about a centimeter and a half of tissue around the ring. That's about. That's it. it. That's, That's it. what That's you see. So, oftentimes with an erection, yeah, the, it, there's you no get the difference. same sati- sexual satisfaction with either one. Um, in terms of cleanliness, I think it's a little bit easier. And I've, I've seen so many problems with uncircumcised penises. In terms so of hygiene. In terms of hygiene, it is harder to keep it clean, and you have to devote more time to grooming. Right. That's okay. And, you and, can do uh, that. And right. there is more risk of uh, yeasts forming in the crevices. That's right. about it. Right. So keep it dry, keep it clean, and there's really no problem. Exactly. And actually, we should, for some women, they actually prefer, uh, some women like the uncircumcised because it pro- it provides a, a natural lubricant in terms of the sliding motion of these. They can feel that in their vaginas. So again, a, a matter of preference. Dr. Albert, where can people find you on Instagram and all that Instagram, and social media? You can see me, Dr. Clifford Albert. I'm on Facebook as well. I post a lot of videos of all the different things yeah, we do. Yeah, it's pretty. So uh... I, I kind of do it all. I relax, I refill, I repave, and I repair. And I love and that you so show many it. Different, yeah, I, I, you show it. With... I mean, one of our greatest things, and we actually now even have the new V-Lift. The V-Lift allows us to treat intravaginally for tightening. We've got, so you we, we don't have time for that new now, stuff. but that is something. The next yeah. time you V-Lift. come on, no, we no, no, no. will devote to vaginas. Yes. instead of uh, penises. <laughs> Tonight was a penis night. Uh, thank you all so much. Thank you. So uh, look uh, look for his uh, videos. You can see all of that stuff do, being done in, in the office. All actually. easy stuff. Everybody leaves, goes home. Simple. Thank you very much, uh, guys, for your text. Thanks to our technical producer, Dave Simon. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com. Coming up next on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, and remember to live your life with passion.